breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty Aaron gonna be out for several days uh, due to her sh- uh, shoulder surgery taking place today this morning. She with right before she left yesterday I asked her what time and she, she didn't even really know. She did uh so I, I don't know if it's this morning. She said her knee surgery was like at three in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll I'll text JW and we'll find out and see how she's doing. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but in the meantime, very grateful to have Scott Hughes coming in. Scott, morning, Scott. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thank you for uh, getting up early for me. This is early. <laughs> <laughs> I get up early to come to a war zone. I haven't been in the studio since this happened. Oh boy. Oh, this is cleaned up. Yeah. You, oh. This, yeah. is, this is in good shape right here. <laughs> I know this is radio. It's the listeners cannot see what we are talking about. But I've been coming to the studio for years, and I've not been in for several months. And it's it is like a construction zone in the Ukraine right now. <laughs> exactly. That's what you know. That's what I said when it when it first happened. There was we you know we were still coming in. Ceilings collapsed. Um, the the entire building was uh, had two three inches of water all around the entire building, so they had to come in and cut two feet of concrete out because it was untreated water. It wasn't sewage or anything; it was just water from the uh, sprinkler system, fire sprinklers. But code requires if it's untreated. I don't know what that means. I, th- I would think it's still city water. <laughs> So I'm not sure what. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not sure how that works. Maybe somebody could explain it. But anyway, yeah. So and then they had these um, industrial dehumidifiers, which are bigger than like clothes dryers, and there were eight or ten of them down the hallways, and they're going all day, <laughs> all yeah. day. It's been fun. I mean, you can just do what you can do. You know, it has to be done. There's, there's, it was nobody's fault. You just have to take care of it, and you have to work through it. That's what we've been doing. It looks like it's going to be beautiful when it's done, though. That's what I, you know, I told Aaron at, at one point. You, you come in, and, and we didn't have water for a week. You know, yeah. we had the portalettes outside, and uh, we had the bottled water. Thank goodness from the little con- machine container thing, so we could still make coffee. Boy, those portalettes! Those portalettes in the cold well, and, were and not we can, fun. We can see into other studios again. If, if, if people are not familiar with, familiar with the station, it's basically two halls with glass rooms in between, and right. so you can kind of see down the hallway into other studios. And some of those windows have been blocked for years, and now I can see Crystal, yeah. uh, another another <laughs> another talent in the next room doing right. other shows. So, yeah, and they're taking those windows out. Oh. You know, they're redoing like behind you. They've taken those out, and they're sheetrocking over it. And uh, so this will be, they'll all be enclosed. And they were in the process of redoing the studios already, you know, when that when the flood happened, when the pipes froze. But, but I will note, sitting in the Aaron chair, and we certainly wish her well in her surgery, I will note the UPS box made it. That her computer sits on a, <laughs> a it must be a 10-year-old UPS box, and somehow it survived. 
Well, because of, you know, she's got this shoulder pain and her knee. I told her, I said, we're going to take you out in the back of the field and put you out of your misery. But they said she had to raise her monitor. That was one of the issues. Well, it's, it, it, so I, we, we found I, I should just start dialing some of the phone numbers written on this UPS box. That would be a great three hours of radio. Just random dial the phone numbers she's written on this UPS box and see who answers. A lot of things uh, that I, I want to talk about uh, later this morning. And, and uh, the Keto Commission is doing the redistricting, and I'm sure you're familiar Again? with this. Well, it's, 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 they've got the proposals up. You know, I guess they're... I think they tried it once, and they had a little pushback, and there were some questions, and I think they're coming back and circling back around. Um, theirs was not due yet. I think people are familiar with the city council who had to have it done for their election. They're proposing. They've got three proposals. So they're bringing new proposals back. Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about that. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and there's, I know you didn't watch the, the president's address. I've seen some clips. Thank I've read you. some highlights now. I, um, he, he chose to have it on my birthday and I, and I normally am, I'm a watch all things political, but it was my birthday. Yeah. And so I did not spend my time watching Joe Biden and the, and the uh, members of Congress sit there for several hours oh. and scream at each other. But I have watch some of the posts to I've, I've seen some yeah same here same here and and i want to dissect a little bit of that too coming up scott hughes sitting in with us this morning we're grateful to have him here mike and mccarty 101 Fly. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. By the way, past few days have been up in the seventies. It's a little cool this morning uh, as you're getting up, getting ready for work. Just to let you know, uh, I didn't have frost on the car, but uh, you you might you might need to grab a jacket on your way out the door. I had to put on my warm hat. <laughs> You've got your warm hat on today, as opposed to the bandana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I came across this story yesterday on uh, KSLA.com and about the Cato Commission considering three proposals for redrawing its 12 districts. And I, and I understand populations change. I understand demographics change. Uh, people move. People come in. Uh, more people are moving than coming in. But uh, I, I understand there's a need for that, especially uh, after the latest census numbers come out. So they have to they have to redraw the districts every so often. So there's pre, uh, three proposals. Scott Hughes in studio with us, uh, filling in for Aaron, who's out this the rest of this week and all next week. So Scott, have you you've had a chance to kind of look these over? And, and what what are your thoughts on the the three proposals? I can't make head or tails. It's just all kinds of color codes. Yeah, redistrict maps are, are very difficult. And and um, I was aware the meeting was yesterday at four o'clock, and so I've not seen a whole lot of post. Um, analysis of this yet but data center llc is their vendor um and you kind of hit the highlights of redistricting you've got to take the entire population in this case divided by 12 there mm -hmm. are 12 seats on the cattle parish commission which is the entire parish of Caddo. and i think you um you, you correctly referenced we did have a population drop about seventeen thousand. so more important than the population drop is the population movement 
You know, so in cattle parish, it's not so much that we have people in or out. Seventeen thousand over two or three hundred thousand is not that much statistically. But when they move, when they move out of the inner city, when they pack themselves into Southeast Shreveport, when a place, and this is the, this is the parish. So when Blanchard grows. When mm-hmm. Greenwood grows, you've got to redraw these lines. It becomes very confusing because voters come, and voters just want to know who's going to be my representative. Well, a, a lot are moving to, like, North Bossier, too, yeah, and the so, Benton area. And, of course, though, though, that's, the, that's the 17,000 out. Yeah. Um, but within Cattle Parish, you have to redraw those lines, and people want to know, who who am I going to be voting with? And I think there's a lot of concern because in the recent elections we had on the city side, if you remember correctly, we had a lot of people that went to vote, and they weren't on the register. They, 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 they didn't get a ballot in the mail they were used mm-hmm. to. So redistricting it happens every 10 years. Thank goodness it's only every 10 years. But it's it's got people confused a lot, and then um, and and what people don't understand inside of inside of baseball, as we say, inside of the lines, is there's a lot of rules, and and I don't necessarily agree with all of them personally, but one of the rules is you can't draw an existing incumbent out of their district, and so when you start to put those <laughs> right. colored boxes on the map, you got to make sure that the guy or the lady who's in the seat now is in the new colored box, and so as population shifts. That creates some weird districts. And that's before we even that's, get to the obvious, which is they want to draw a district they can get elected in. Right, they want to draw a right. district that gives more votes to their side, whatever their side is. So that's why you have those, uh, a line will go straight up, and then it'll angle over for what, two miles and then go back up. And it, it's, it's, really it's, either, it's either to put somebody's own house in a district <laughs> Or it's because there's a significant neighborhood there, significant voting right, population yeah. precinct that they really want because it's always been good for them. And um, and you get some weird lines. I, I, I'm kind of of the belief that I believe districts, when they're drawn, should be contiguous. They should be reasonable shapes, and they should not be concerned about who gets elected in them. Right. But I'm an outlier. But and, and and a line falls where it falls. A line falls where it falls. Right. Um, and, and and I understand the incumbency rule. And on, on the flip side of that is, you don't want to create a process where you can just be drawn out of your district by your political enemies. Um, and that goes both ways. Um, and, and and let's take let's take the city of Shreveport uh, right now. If 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 people got mad at Grayson Butcher representing Southeast Shreveport, and he was the minority voter on the council with his party or his politics, you wouldn't want a situation where at reapportionment they. Could just put him in a district that he can't win. So that's why that rule exists. But I think over time, what the citizens want, and this is now the citizens of Caddo Parish, they want to know that, 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 that the lines are reasonable, that they're fair. And I think we're down to three plans, according to the, the president, uh, right. Roy Burrell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so three is better. If you remember when, when um, the last time we did this with the city, we had like 12 plans, and it got really confusing, and they start doing plan 9A and 9B and 9C. Right. Um, yeah. And so um, we'll, we'll see where it goes. The elections, I believe, are this fall, so they are, they're on a timeline, but it's not today. They still have a couple of weeks, a couple of months. The, the city, they, they finalized theirs, is that correct? Well, the cities, that, the is, cities were finalized, voted on, and approved, and to my knowledge, there were no legal challenges. And okay. so, yes, I would say, and, and they've had an election with them now, so I think it's going to be pretty hard to come back and challenge okay. the cities. Right. But the commissions would still have to be proposed, adopted, and would still be open to any legal challenge. And there are sides that draw to, to or try to draw to their advantage. Yes. And we saw that with the city. The Democrats were trying to reposition 
to to gain more you know more strength even yes and this will be interesting because um, the commission if you follow the commission politics is twelve voting members and by most normal standards they've been split six six for a number of years it's a six six body much like the school board has been split six six when you start to divide the parish up but through an interesting twist right now of politics. Former Caddo Commissioner Jim Talaferro had to resign because he's now current city councilman mm-hmm, right. Jim Talaferro. So when he resigned his seat as a Republican, as a white Republican, the, the two things we look at a lot in Shreveport politics, he was replaced by the existing commission, which at this point is down to 11 members, not 12. Mm-hmm. So that means the six on one side can vote for the replacement, and the five that probably mirrored Mr. Talaferro's politics could not have much say in the replacement. So they stuck in a temporary replacement on the commission that probably joined the group of six, and now they have a group of seven. So that's, a, in theory, voting block that can adopt whatever they want for these plans. That's why I think the process, the review, and the potential legal challenge could be very important to this because you actually don't even have um, the normal makeup of the, of the commission, which would be 6-6. Six, six. It's, it's been swung one side politically 7-5. No, it's, it's, it's biting lip. Yeah, it's math in the morning, and that's not good. But <laughs> politics, a lot of times, is math in the morning. Scott Hughes in for Aaron, Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven F. One seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty Scott Hughes in for Aaron. Also, you're home for Sean Hannity two to five every Monday through Friday here at seven ten Keel. Um, real quick this morning, Scott. Uh, now you say first of the year is real slow for you, right? Know what you were saying? No, it's real busy for me. Real busy. I, I I do have a day job. I'm not a radio me. DJ. I do run the Realtor Association. And right, so right. When the year starts off, we have license check, and in most organizations, the first month is pretty tough. Um, and now we're about to move into what's called the housing sales season. That gets busy for my members, um, but it's it's been kind of a, a busy run. One thing I've noticed is, um, you know, we went. One reason I think it seems busy is we went two years without doing anything, and now we're kind of I think finally oh, coming yeah. out of the COVID lockdown shutdowns of every term, and I'm seeing a lot more people traveling, excited to go places. I, I sense energy in meetings. I hate to say that as a corporate guy, but people are coming back to things, classes, mm-hmm. meetings. Um, it's good to see people again. It was so funny because it, nothing to do with COVID, but because of what's going on in the building, uh, a lot of people. COVID would improve this building. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, a lot of people have been working remotely, like our, our sales department, you know, and a lot of management staff is ha- haven't been here. And I think yesterday, it was funny, we were sitting here, and a salesperson walked by the building, you know, walked by our window here at the Keel Studio. Oh, and then another one. And then another one. It was like a parade. It, it was, was so, so weird. It was funny. And that's, like, that's a big deal right now. You're, it's, it, people talk oh, about a lot of people are back. Corporate, co- corporate culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we went for a while and culture became this remote. It became you didn't know anybody. And I think people have learned that there's a lot of value in human beings getting together. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, a synergy that takes place that doesn't happen over Zoom. I'm sorry. Uh, people talk about Zoom birthday parties or uh, just no, just don't. Just don't even do it. No, and, uh, and, and, and we're going to get together a lot the next two weekends. we got Mardi Gras and yeah. we got Super Bowl. All right. We're going to talk about some of that coming up next. Mike and McCarty with Scott Hughes.
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mikey McCarty with Scott Hughes. While Erin is out for several days due to her shoulder surgery, she'll be back Monday the 20th, I think she said was the date. Um, I want to talk about the the State of the Union. I heard it was strong. Oh, well, if that's what you want to say. Well, I'm just going on what was reported. Now, somebody, some advisors must have told Joe Lydon that we have to appear strong. That's what Washington Post called him. I liked that. Uh, you have to appear strong. So apparently to, to, to Biden, strong means angry and yelling a lot and shaking your fist. He was so defiant at times that it was just, it was almost laughable. And what happened to his eyes? He always looks like he's staring into the sun. What happened? It, it, it didn't used to. He's, he's always got that squint. Says, I, says the guy squinting across at me with his glasses up on his forehead. Right. <laughs> I, I, well, think I, I, I think he got old, Mike. I, I, think, I think he just got old. I, I don't I'm think he can see. looking at you. Yeah. I, he does We're both wearing glasses. <laughs> no, it, it was, um, it, I know many of our listeners may disagree with some of my comments, and I know you had Dr. Sato on yesterday, who I think gave a very good breakdown yes. of some of the facts and some of the things that happened. But if, if you step back, in many ways, it may have been one of Joe Biden's best speeches ever. Now, I know if you're not a Joe Biden fan, you're not going to like that. But I think it was well written. I think he came out strong. And 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 if you watch the the entire speech, but in fairness, I have not. But I've I've, you know, I've, I've I, looked I at parts and I just can't broken it down. I think what he was trying to do, and you've kind of hit some of the mechanics of it, is. I think he was trying to taunt the Republicans. I think he was looking for the fight. Um, I think the Republicans, McCarthy, had told his people, behave. You know, let's not, let's not play the music and show the clown car today, which the Republican Party can do at times to itself. And I think that Biden, and, he, and in a sense, he, 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 he poked them. He pushed their buttons, and he finally got the reaction that he wanted. He finally got a couple of them to set off in public on live television, and it created an engagement, which I think Biden was looking for because he's trying to look strong. Let's go back to your phrase. I'm not saying what did he or was he, but he's trying to mm-hmm. look strong. Right. And I think in his terms and their polling, um, I think he thinks they win whenever he can trigger some of those Republicans like he did. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Is it really him trying to look strong i mean do you think he's competent enough actually do you think he has they showed a clip last night of him back in like 1982 or something and uh, on on hannity and it was in you know it was like he was competent he was he was lucid he you know he spoke clearly and it's like you look at the difference now i don't think i think he's completely being manipulated and, and 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 is a total puppet for whoever is actually running the white and we know it's not Kamala but whoever is running the white house i think is just almost literally have strings tied to his wrists and yet and yet he's still probably the front runner for the democratic party and I think that's what when you that's what really I think the, the the state of the union was about. It was about establishing his position as the front runner of the party, and and yes, I mean he he represents a political machine. I'll go with that. Um, and I think that he, if you're on the other side of the aisle, um, he's your president. 
he, as Dr. Sadow, I believe, correctly said, he gave a lot of facts. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we can disagree with the facts. The facts can be the facts can be pulled out. Well, he and, gave a lot of figures. Well, I won't and, call them facts. No, they're facts. And I think Dr. Sadow said that too. They're facts. Unemployment's at a record low. He created the most job. Now we can we can look around those. But you'll also go back and see every president in the last 40 years has done that. Presidents get hit with hit with bad things when they're in office. They get to claim good things. So facts are facts. Now, the way he frames them may not be the way many want them framed, and there could be a lot of asterisks by those facts. I mean, but but they're correct. And so he, he put his argument out for his side, and then and I, and I think really one of the pinnacle moments of the entire thing, um, and he, he triggers a couple of the Republicans. They scream at him um, over what is a fact. And, I mean, and did you see McCarthy? He yeah, actually looked he was over. Try, he, no, no. I mean, he, he was, was trying to control his yeah, people, he, and he, he wished that wouldn't have happened. Right. Because in the end, and 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 again, we can say we want about Biden. And yes, he certainly has his faculties are certainly not what they were in 1980. We'll say that. Okay, mine aren't either. Okay, but. In many regards, I think that whoever wrote the speech, whoever concepted the speech, was brilliant. He triggered the Republicans, and he actually trapped them into having to give him a standing ovation and admit that that Social Security and Medicare were off the table in the way he did that. Because he factually mentioned, Senator Scott in Florida is the one with the proposal, that he's proposed sunsetting every five years. Every program in the federal government. That's exact. So he wasn't wrong. That's a fact. He's going to cherry pick facts, and then and then the Republicans had you know said accused him of lying. He wasn't lying, and then he traps him into this flip position. So, but but I think it worked for both parties because he got to look like he wanted to look, and the Republicans got to the small group Probably got wanted. to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. And then if you're a Republican, I think you, you get to, and then, um, and then Huckabee gives this, this very strong rebuttal, which right. is kind of what they were building towards. We're going to take a break. I'll talk more about that. Mike and McCarty with uh, Scott Hughes in for Aaron, 1017 FM. Life. Okay, we had this this, this, this this the debate last time we played this, what what show it was, and then somebody on the message board said it, and then I forgot what it was. It was some police show. Was that Starsky and Hutch? No, not Starsky and Hutch. I guarantee it's not Starsky and Hutch. I remember the the sound. And I thought it was Rockford Files, <laughs> or maybe it is Rockford Files. It could be Rockford Files. James Rockford. <laughs> One oh one seven FM seven ten Keo Mike and McCarty Aaron out uh, having soldier uh, shoulder so why can't I say shoulder surgery out later today three, three times fast no <laughs> <laughs> shoulder surgery shoulder surgery. So look at that um, Mardi Gras weekend oh my gosh le bon yeah and of course we had some parades already uh, I I'm, I'm not minimizing what we've already had but one of the larger parades. Kicks off uh, Saturday night, or actually Saturday afternoon. Saturday yeah, afternoon. Traditionally, we, I think we have about a dozen in the market officially now, but I think the three big ones have always been Gemini, which is the first one um, that came to the market, then Centaur, and then the Highland Parade is a love, highly popular parade. I love the Highland Parade. It's that's to me. I I, I don't know. I like the the. It, it seems to, and I I couldn't tell you why, uh, but it seems to have a more family friendly. 
uh, feel to it? I guess because it's through the neighborhood. It's through the neighborhoods, and you're actually in people's houses. And, yes. Um, and it's just got a it, – it's also – it's just kind of different, and, um, and 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 if you go to New Orleans a lot, you have the real fancy parades, see, and you have Zulu, and you have Rex, and the big floats, and then you have the truck parades right. in New Orleans, where it's just eighteen wheelers throwing stuff at you. <laughs> and I think the Highland Parade has a good mix of that. It gets a lot more toward the second thing, which is just eclectic things coming by. And they have some good floats you. too. And they throw hot dogs at you at the Highland Parade. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I caught a uh, VHS tape one year at the Highland Parade. I, I didn't have a VCR, so I have no idea what's on it. I still have it. And then there was one float one year at the Highland Parade. There was a guy, he was throwing cups, but they were completely blank plastic Mardi Gras cups, and he would write something on them before he would throw them. He looked at me, pointed at me, wrote on the cup, threw it right at me. Oh, that's I funny. caught it, and what was written on it was, son, Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. <laughs> Man, they must have been stopped. He, he was writing on it for a while and pointing at me like, this is for you. The great Dean Warner line from yeah. Animal House. Yeah. Where was that guy's Oscar? That was so good. Oh, it was a fabulous show. Dean Warmer. And that foot is me. And, and, and as you know, one of the seven steps of Kevin Bacon, because he was actually in that production That's right. as well. Yeah. 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 He's the military officer that says, please stop, please stop. <laughs> Was he the one that said, thank you, man? Yeah. Have another, he gets, sir, man, he have gets run over at the end by, you know, by the out-of-control parade. Yes. God. Uh, now we're on Animal House. Jeez. Oh, it doesn't get better than that. Uh, <laughs> 1017 FM, 710. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. We just broke um, one of the Keel Golden Rules. We've been breaking it for about twenty minutes now. On time? No, we 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 didn't save it for the radio. We've been talking so much off mic that we're about to go down a little memory lane. I don't come. I don't come to talk on the radio. I come to talk to you. <laughs> I You're know. Right? I've, known, I've known you for a long time. You did theater with my kids. Oh my gosh! Yes, so wonderful. And I saw your daughter at the airport here. While not too long, your your lovely wife and your daughter. You flew in with. Actually, she, no, she flew in with, with your wife. My she wife. sat next to your wife yes, on the plane and didn't know that small was, world. Incredible. Coming in from South Carolina, um, North Carolina. Well, she's mine's in Virginia. Coming in from Virginia. Yeah. Dina was at a, 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 oh, my gosh, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, uh, Samaritan's Purse. She was at Samaritan's Purse training for like a week or so and coming home. That was inc- It was so cool to see your wife. I haven't seen her in a long time. Yeah. Okay, Scott Hughes is in for Aaron. And, and one of the things that you said off mic, and, and it started, we, then we just started, uh, that I thought was interesting, you were an Air Force brat. I'm an Air Force brat. My dad was a colonel in the United States Air Force, weatherman. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you grew, you actually spent some time abroad 
uh, some formative years were in Germany. I spent really what I would call my formative years in Germany. We went to Germany um, between my seventh and eighth grade year. And so I did eighth grade, ninth grade, and tenth grade living in Germany. We also lived in Japan earlier, but I was a lot younger. I don't really remember that as much. That's um, My mom but, was an Air Force brat. But, uh, you know, as, as they say, the wonder years to go with our 70s TV show, the wonder years, my wonder years were in Europe. That's see, that's fascinating to me. My mom was also in Japan, very young. My sister was born in Japan. Now she's an American citizen, but I joke with her. She has papers. <laughs> How are your papers? She has dual citizenship because she was an American citizen born in Japan. But one of the things that you said was in Germany in those years, which are you remember those years? At late seventies, early eighties. Oh yeah, I remember them well. We were actually in Europe when the hostages came home. The, the Iranian hostages. Mm -hmm. We were there at Ramstein Air Force Base. So, of course, you obviously went to an American school in, on the Air Force Base in Germany. Correct. The military has a DOD, has a, a school system over there, and they teach right. American kids in American schools. So, but you, what you said was there was only one channel. While we were all watching MASH and Happy Days and whatever, you were, you, AFM, AFN, the Armed Forces Network. Right. So, yes, I think that's what I was telling you. We, we moved from Omaha, Nebraska. Dad was at SAC headquarters <laughs> in Omaha. And we get overseas, and there's one TV channel in, in English, in American, and it's all tape shows. And you said it was woefully behind. It's woefully behind. It's two or three years behind because there wasn't live feeds from the networks. And so we were watching shows that we had actually seen two or three years. So you would have loved it probably. You know, Andy Griffith reruns would have been great for you right. all day long. But you, we, we didn't see any culture. We, we got European culture, and I'm grateful for that. Great mm -hmm. experiences. But we didn't grow up in a TV when these people were watching these shows. And so it's like for a three- or four-year gap we saw no live television and then we come back to barksdale air force base here at bozier city and now i go into school and i am way behind i don't, I don't have any You're american a, a culture freshman in high school I, 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 and i was a junior i, I walked in three oh, days for the start of my junior year at bozier high school and i had not seen a television show no culture the only culture we had we did get to see the super bowl live and they would broadcast that for the troops on afn so you saw the super bowl live and then the only real culture we got is you could get um casey Kasem's top 40 and so that was a big deal in Europe, you'd get together with friends on Sunday afternoon, and you'd listen to the American <laughs> Top Forty countdown. That was our only connection to the country back when you could listen to Top Forty. Yes, <laughs> sorry, pop music is is changed drastically, as has all of it, rock or country. It's all different. But you were you were saying that uh, the um, you know y'all mentioned Enox, Ruben. You said your dad played it. Yeah, my dad played at Enox a few times. Yeah, there were definitely. some things. Very popular music bar club on Centenary Boulevard. On Centenary, near right. Centenary and Olive. It was it, it, I, 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 exactly. It's a, like a little store now. It's some kind of. I after think two it, years here, I decided to stay here in Shreveport. I didn't want to travel anymore, and so I attended Centenary College in the mm -hmm. the mid eighties. A great time to be at Centenary College. Um, really enjoyed it. And Enox opened up, and it became a wonderful place for live music. And I, I think I told you the story. I remember, and you both know them. Is I remember a friend calling me and saying, "Got to come up to the, It was late at night. You come up and see this band these guys are in town from houston and you're going to love them because you like live music and it was keith and ezra it was trout fishing in america i was there at enox the first time they played and i just to this day can't understand why these guys were playing in shreveport louisiana on a monday night see when i was at lsus we had a, a group of, a, a group of guys that we hung out a lot uh and i'm not trying to top but i remember keith and ezra 
when they used to play at the Rusty Nail. You said they had a third back in those days. I, I never had, knew the third. They had three guys. They had a keyboard player. They didn't um, need him. No, obviously not. <laughs> it didn't. I don't know how long he was with it, but when we first started uh, becoming trout, you know, trout fishing fans, they there were three of them, and uh, it was at the Rusty Nail. And there used to be a house, a two story house behind the Rusty Nail, and that's on Kings Highway. Of course, all of that's gone now. Merle's, all of the, you know, unfortunately. And for our listeners that that have never seen trout fishing in America, not only are they extremely musically gifted. But um, but one of them is seven foot tall, played for the University of Houston basketball team during right. the five slamma jamma years with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, with the Clint, um, Elijah one. Um, and he plays the guitar. So this huge guy playing a little and guitar mandolin and, 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 and all kinds of stringed instruments. And the other guy is about five foot tall. <laughs> And he plays a seven-foot-tall bass, but he was with the Houston Symphony, tremendously gifted, you know, um, trained musician, and they're just fabulous. They're they're very lighthearted. A lot of it's fun and funny stuff, but don't be fooled. They are extremely talented. Uh, you used to could catch them at the Revel every year. They were very they, – they would do both an adult show, which, you know, is great music, and also the kids. So they, they could entertain anybody. I would, yeah. always, I would always make both. Of course, I, I grew up on their music. My dad was listening to them a lot. But then, of course, their kids' albums, too, are just hilarious and fantastic. <laughs> and dinosaurs They're really good. Your so, <laughs> so it would just so it would just be goofy-looking me in the kids' section standing there listening to them with all these kids running around, and then I would go and catch them at the adult section. Ezra's uh, daughter, had, uh, she plays. I don't know if she still does, but we, she's been to the Revel a couple of times, and she's very talented. Obviously. Anyway, thank you for the, uh, that the little, you know, that was fun to talk about those. Yeah, I grew up in Europe. It was a great time to grow yeah. up. Yeah. And, and again, I can relate to that because my mom, you know, people say, you don't sound like I was born in Shreveport. But my mom, having born, born in Columbus, Ohio, and traveled the world, you know, when I was growing up, you know, this, this ain't a pen, you know, this is a pen. And, and I was that's how I was brought up. So it, it's it served me well in, in my chosen profession anyway. Scott Hughes in for Aaron McCarty, Mike and McCarty, 101. One hundred one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty Aaron out uh, the rest of this week and next week uh, having her shoulder surgery and recovering they're going to have her wing uh, kind of tightened up against her she's not going to be able to move her arm not going to be able to not going to be able to move her arm so she's going to be out of commission you for were a just bragging while. on your lack of southern accent I know right I wasn't bragging I was I was actually bragging on my mom for. For uh, not letting me get away with talking like this. I'm down there in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, but uh, we were. it was funny because early this morning as we were getting in and getting things ready, Ruben was uh, doing the news uh, for Aaron, and it was like um, the the mayor, if Ruben looked at me and goes, because so, there's nothing going on right now, you know. I mean, as far as... We don't have a this mayor morning. We're on the Super Bowl, but for a live news talk show in the morning, there's not a lot of news going and Ruben on. Ruben looked at me. He goes, "Is this what it's like to have a normal mayor?" <laughs> I just, I said, "I certainly hope so." 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he. Uh, we were we were talking earlier this week. He has had some things that he's had to deal with. Uh, just coming into office, like the, the the mass shooting on Martin Luther King. Congratulations, you're the mayor. We didn't renew the taxes, and we still got people shooting each other. Oh gosh, didn't renew the taxes. And and how and, does and, that happen? How does that happen? I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I don't know. That's that's the one that really shootings. Shootings are shootings, and I think everyone wants them to stop, and the mayor wants them to stop, and the council wants them to stop, and the chief wants them to stop. But but, it, but if you have happen. some way to avoid that, I would like to hear it. it, it, it but but the point is, they're going to happen. Exactly. And we're going to keep dealing with those. Hopefully, right. they're not. They don't get worse. But something like renewing a tax that somebody five or ten years ago should have circled a calendar and said, this "Hey, is, this thing's going to expire. This is coming up." That's a pretty big deal. I think I think at its core, um, that shows a lot of where maybe we had gotten in city government that that A, we didn't do it, and B, nobody really knew we didn't do it. So so for somebody that doesn't know what we're talking about, during the Perkins administration, which there were proposals that should have been on the ballot. We went to the ballot for new bond issues. Right. Several times. Some lost, a couple won. But there are some significant, we call them base taxes, that we the citizens have voted on ourselves over the years. And this, the one in, the one in question really funds some of the fire and police. police. It's, it's, it's nothing, nothing sexy here. It's just there, basic operations. And it would have been a renewal. It would have been a, re, a renewal. And then we can get into that whole argument. But we would, we would have agreed to keep funding that. Okay. Right. And, and we call those renewals. And they're fairly, you know, harmless because we're very, very pleased with that basic city service. And somehow, with all the people in City Hall, we missed the deadline that this tax was going to expire. So it has expired. It expired on December 31st. And so now we've got to come back and we've got to go through the whole process again and put a tax on the ballot that is technically a new tax Mm because the other one had expired. Um, And now there's some question about what the millage rate was because there was roll forwards and roll backs. And that's an inside baseball on tax. We don't want to go down that route. But the bottom line is Arsenault comes in and the first thing he's really got to deal with is, by the way, you've got to get this done quick. Or you're going to lose millions of dollars to fund fire and police. And now, do you know the latest? Is there um, a, they, they, a proposed? I, there's has to be a special election, doesn't there? Or well, is it going to be the? They're going to get it on there. There, there's an election in the, in the spring here, the March April. I'd have to look at the exact dates, but no, the council did did react, and, and and to their credit, the council understands the you know the situation, and the administration put it on, and the council adopted it, and so now they're going through the whole process of the bond commission, the state, the secretary of state getting on the ballot, and I believe it's going to be on the March or April ballot, and we just said since we'll have a chance to vote to keep funding something we've been funding for years. This yeah, is not new. Yeah, it has to pass. That has to pass. And so that's you know you so that that's your welcome to the office. You know, <laughs> by the way, there's a stack of some unfinished stuff over here, and I know Aaron got into a whole bunch of contracts that were being signed out right. the door, and then and that's still sitting there. And then the council comes in and they start dealing. They start dealing with staff. You've had uh, Dr. Jackson on, Alan Jackson, mm-hmm. talking about that position. And so you know, it, it, it sort of hit the ground running, and now maybe we've settled into maybe a quieter period. Which let, let's be clear here, Mike. And I think that's what you and Ruben were saying. It's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. That's have, exactly what I said. No news coming out of City Hall. Sometimes that's good. <laughs> that's right. And if we remember, Bossier City went through this, you know, a year or two ago when the new mayor got elected, and they had some learning curve with the council, the mayor. Now Bossier's right. kind of gone back to being Bossier, running things smoothly. 
Yeah. I did see where the Bozier, um, Bozier Parish, Bozier et al., they're getting close to opening that Barksdale gate. I saw some of that last night. The east? The, the new gate off of I-20, I-220. Yeah. Um, that project is almost Is that going to be open to the public then? Well, I mean, open anybody can get on the, get well, on the base. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's I don't, that's not open today, but I did see some reports last night that that project very quietly is coming to conclusion. And you were talking about coming back to Bossier. Uh When I was growing up, we could ride our bikes. I had I went to Bossier High School, went to Russian Junior High and Bossier High School. We share that together. We're Bearcats. And the, I love that guy. I love that green. Uh, I had a lot of friends on base. I could ride my bike on the base. Just, just go on the base. My, my favorite base. It was story, a different time. My favorite base story. We lived on base. Well, hold hold that because we got to take a quick we'll break. Come back. Yeah. Keep keep them waiting. We'll do it on the radio. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Scott Hughes, in for Aaron with Mike and McCarty. One oh one. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike in McCarty. Erin, uh, uh, she is out for shoulder surgery, and she posted uh, just a few moments ago. Well, she's still conscious. She's not out out yet. No, out, no, no. Be she's out, out, out of the bit. out of the studio today mm-hmm. for the rest of this week and next week. Uh, and she she posted. She says, "Going in this morning for my shoulder surgery. Say a little prayer. All goes well, and recovery is a breeze. I've already done it, Erin. Um, did it this morning, uh, and she says." Oh, if you see me out in the next few weeks with no bra on, mind your own business. LOL. <laughs> yep. She's still feeling fine. Yeah, it's a very Aaron message. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scott Hughes in studio with us, uh, filling in for Aaron. And uh, we'll talk next, 1017 FM, 710. Life. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty and uh, Scott Hughes in for Aaron, and we were talking earlier about uh, just it was that you you grew up in or, or a portion of growing your up. Life I, in, I, we in, came here to Barksdale and you were here. You lived in Bozeman. Near the base. I, yeah, I was born in Shreveport uh, back in nineteen one, and um, I had friends because I went to Bozeman High School, a Russian Junior High School. And then Bozier High School. And so I had friends that lived on Barksdale. And uh, and I lived on Shacks. We called it Shack for some reason. We said it was, or we were told it was supposed to be pronounced Shack. Your Midwestern upbringing. Maybe. I don't know. But it, but it was, but I would ride up Patricia to the to the North Gate. North Gate. Going, going to the North Gate on my bicycle all the time. And in those days, there was nothing on North Gate. There wasn't a bank. There wasn't apartments. It was just... Oh, no, that was... Yeah. That, wide open field up to the, up to the base. <laughs> and never... I don't remember even if I had to tell the guard, I'm going to see so-and-so. Well, you, you probably know. did. And that, that I think where we left off is... is um, that's one of my favorite stories of living. We lived on the base. My mm-hmm. dad was a commander. Um, we had a house, house on sea. C Street, um, and that's one of the things I love about my living on military bases. All the streets were ABC one two three, and so I grew up in this 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 eclectic world where you always knew where you were. But um, but I remember I remember living on the base, and one of the biggest frustrations of being seventeen, eighteen years old, going to Bozier High School, coming home is they would constantly stop us at the base. We would pull up, and we'd want to bring a friend in, and so they would make us park the car, get out. 
We have to come in. This 19-year-old person guarding the gate. Yes. We have to go sign them in, show my ID, and I would be standing there trying to sign in. I had a pass. I had a ID. Right. had a sticker on my car right. that I could, if there wasn't by the car, I could come in. And then we'd be standing there, and the Domino's pizza guy would pull up while I was being hassled. I'll use that and word. And just get security, And they'd <laughs> wait him in. And I, I remember, I remember looking at the the security guard at one point, and my dad had told me for years, don't ever hassle the security guys. There, you know. But I finally looked at him and said, "Why are you waving him in?" And he says, "Well, that's the Domino's guy. He's already been in three times tonight." And I remember sitting there looking at him, saying, "Well, who do you think is more likely to bring a terrorist in? Me, who lives on the base, Who's or the guy coming in commander? with boxes in the back seat of his car?" And they would just wave the Domino's guy in, and they'd stop us every time. I just, I just, that to me was government at its height. My grandfather was, he, both my grandfathers in the Air Force. And so I've been on the base a million times. And I remember, you know, the stickers on the, on the bumpers. Mm-hmm. I can remember tell you where they were and what they looked like. And uh, when you pulled up with that sticker in the days, they would just give you that, you know. They would salute. They, 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 and they, they weren't saluting you. They were saluting the stickers, my dad always would say. They were right. honoring my father, not me. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but And that was how you got on base. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's changed. Oh, it's you changed said, a lot. Yeah. We swam in the NCO pool. And I remember that specifically because it had so much chlorine. It always burned your eyes. That was the club over by the golf so course. Bad. On the yes, yes. And the officers, the officers' pool, the officers' club was right there by the north gate. Yeah. And you said they don't have the – there's not an officers' club anymore? No. A number of years ago, my, my father was retired, and we would still go out there a lot. And um, a number of years ago, they changed the club structure. Now anyone can go to either club. That's just not right. <laughs> and uh speaking of go woke go broke i want to talk about that next scott hughes in for aaron mccarty 1017 fm One seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty Scott Hughes sitting in for Aaron uh, yesterday or earlier this week we we talked a little bit about Aaron had mentioned she had gone by Bed Bath and Beyond good and, thing good and, thing she got by uh, yeah she <laughs> she went by and she said she saw signs on the on the windows out the, you know the Shreveport store has now been identified as one that's going to close it's made the list. And so they're no longer like taking returns or they started marking things down. And I always, I, 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 you know, I hadn't been in in a long time. I, I You're will not the say only that. one, apparently. They're, they're, they're on some hard times. I was reading a Wall Street article about Bed Bath & Beyond, the rise and fall of them. Oh, okay, that's, so the fall, in, in something I didn't realize, again, because I haven't really kept up with them. I haven't, I haven't gone in in a while. But apparently they, they've... They they went woke, and it it affected. You know, we we got some messages on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Uh, one of them says about your story, Bed Bath and Beyond. They should not have gotten political and boycotted Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Um, since then, he says he says we haven't purchased a thing from them. I, I don't think that had anything to do with the demise of Bed Bath and Beyond. You don't think so? No. 
No, I think people I that think are trying to make this left political, I, I think people that are trying to make this political are putting Mike Lindell in the news because you could certainly get Mike Lindell's pillows anywhere. The problem with Bed Bath and Beyond is, and they've acknowledged this publicly. This was the Wall Street Journal reporting that I saw. They did not judge the internet and online shopping correctly. For those that remember Bed Bath and Beyond, they never did marketing. Their marketing was to mail you a twenty percent off coupon. Right, you got that those was one hundred percent their marketing. They would just mail you a flyer that said twenty percent off, and that was the brilliance at the time because they were the, one of the first companies to recognize specialized retail. You know that you weren't going to go to Sears or Kmart; that you would go to a store for a series of products. And it was originally called Bed and Bath. Okay, and they later add Bed Bath and Beyond, and they start expanding the line. But by sending those 20% coupons, they were telling you, Mike Martindale, whatever you want is 20% off. Not these things that we want to sell that we have too many of, you know, overstocked mm-hmm. items. So you could go in and get whatever you wanted 20% off. And they really became known for um, people going to college, for wedding registries. Right. Um, and and this, this a dorm room rise. Kind of and what they look back now and realize is they missed online. They missed that now you'll go to Amazon, and, and, and a lot of their product line is exactly what you can order online, quite frankly, cheaper. I had a, a friend of mine owned a clothing company, and he was like third generation of this business. Mm-hmm. And he did embrace the online shopping and grew until his suppliers, like Levi's and Wranglers, started giving better deals to you know, the online company. He couldn't even get the supply at the deals. And, you know. and that's the problem with retail. That's where we are today. Many look down, and and, and again, we, we mentioned it from time to time. I, I run the Realtor Association. Mm-hmm. A big part of the Realtor Association is our commercial realtors, the people that manage the retail, the strip malls. And, and looking forward, retail is a sector of the economy that you get very scared about. Because if you drive up and down Uri or drive up and down any street, airline drive, any major, look at all the stores. Mm-hmm. And when you start to think downstream, what happens when, and I'll make numbers up, I don't know what they are, 25%. <laughs> what did you say, 90% of all stats are made up on the spot? Uh, and this is just a guess, but just for the sake of discussion, what happens when we hit 25% of all sales being online? 50%, wow, I, 75 you, you see, You see, at a certain point, you hit a tipping point, and all those stores close. Nobody's making money in your economy, and they're all working in a, in a supply house somewhere. In I want to talk country. about that after the break. We've got news coming up. Scott Hughes in for Aaron McCarty. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM 7. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. This is fascinating to me. Uh Scott Hughes in for Aaron McCarty and we're talking about just the changing habits. Uh Bed Bath and Beyond uh, announced that their local store on Uri Drive, Bozier already closed. From Bozier's what I understand, already closed, and they've been announcing these layoffs. And so far, ours had not been on the list. I think that was the change yesterday. And I was looking on Wall Street Journal about uh, the story you were referencing earlier, uh, and you said they're not closing. As a, as a the company's not closing. I think if I remember correctly, they have about 700 you know, stores. And I think they're going to close about 400 of them, something in that area. They're going to keep two or 300 that are highly profitable. They're going to do some credit restructuring and try to get out of their debt and try to make the shift, try to, try to move into the modern economy. Aaron and I talked about this earlier this week, as a matter of fact, uh, the demise 
of the brick-and-mortar store, the, well, the shopping concept. And what you're seeing, and this is what you and I were talking about a few moments ago, what you're seeing is the demise of what would say would be the market dominators. There was a change that retail went through in the 70s and 80s where we got these unique stores. And so Best Buy, and you're looking at the Wall Street article, Best Buy becomes the latest in a series of market dominators to fall. Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Circuit City, these specialty stores that you that they they were huge and they dominated market, and now because of the new way of shopping, the, the new Baptist way of book commerce, stores. yeah, the, the bookstores. Now the bookstores made a comeback, you know, because people are coming back around, and that's why Best Buy is not going to close everything, um, but they've got to shift to this online because you know we, that's just the way Americans shop. Today. Now you've got an MBA, I do, I a master's of business, so. I, I, I respect what you, you know, your perspective on this because I don't. Um, but the it's hard to imagine if you look at, it's just hard to imagine not going to, you know, not having stores to go to. Well, you know, and, I, but I, and I told Aaron, I said, you know, but but years ago, could you imagine not having a morning paper? It's it's culture. You couldn't imagine. Well, I, when I first came to Shreveport, we had a morning and an afternoon paper. Exactly. And that was great. And then the journal shut down and people panicked. Oh, my God. How are we going to get news without an afternoon paper? That was an actual conversation in the 80s. How are we going to get news <laughs> without an afternoon paper? John Lee was on this station yes. reporting live. Aaron got her, you cut her teeth here doing live news reporting. And now we think back and people go, what's a newspaper? We've come that far. It's you brought up an interesting point during the break. Uh, you were telling me about the, th- the three coasters. Oh, I, I, I've done a lot of things in my, my career, and years ago, a very wise salesperson taught me a neat sales trick when you're dealing with a client. And it works for a lot of situations. And you take out three coasters when you're in the restaurant, and on one of them you write price, on one of them you write quality, and on one of them you write time. And if you can picture those three things, mm-hmm. price, quality, and time, and you tell the customer, you get to have two of these, I get the third. So you can have something fast, and you can have something cheap, but you got to give me a lot of time to produce that. You can have something of low price and high quality, but you, can, you get it fast. You got you got to get it, if you want to. You, know, you got to give me t- you know, the speed, and so that little trick works. And you, what you and I were talking about is in retail. That's the key. I mean, so the, the thing everybody wants today, everybody wants something of high quality, and they want it fast. I want it now, and I want a high quality. Well, what they would give up traditionally is price. You'd have to pay for that service. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where online has changed the game. Now with Amazon Prime, not to promote any one company, there's all kind, but now with these online services, I literally can find the best product at the lowest price and get it overnight shipping. How is a brick and mortar going to compete with that? It's difficult. I'm not saying they can't, but that's the challenge. That's what Bed Bath & Beyond has discovered, what Circuit City discovered, what Toys R Us. Jeffrey's dead. You and I were joking about <laughs> Toys R Us. How many of us grew up in the air? And, Ruben, you were saying this. about That was that was the epitome of you were a child to go to Toys R Us. Oh, it was a well, huge deal, yeah. <laughs> now, so for me, it was the epitome of taking my kids to, you know, that, that was for them. Because uh, when I was great, it was Toy Fair. You know, we'll take it a step further. Up here, my mom with the red and white wrapped presents. Shreve oh, it was City. fabulous. Go back to Shreve resident. City, their location. I remember the big their logo. Those those big looked like M and M's. The red sign that they had. You know, and 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 that and the mall concept to me still makes sense. 
but apparently that's not what people want anymore. Well, the mall concept was sort of the height of this experience, and you would go to the mall, and they, it created a culture. You know, you'd see your friends, and then we as we as Americans, the mall was a very American thing. We as Americans decided that we didn't want to park and go into a mall. We want to we want to drive our car right up to the store that we want to go to, and we want to go in that store. Have you ever heard of Shields? No. Shields is a sporting goods store, like Bass Pro Shop kind of okay. thing, Cabela's. But Shields has taken it to the nth degree. It's huge, two, sometimes three stories. They, they've got everything. I mean, they've taken the, they've like, you know, given the finger to online because they've created a destination. It, they, there's one in Dallas, and I'd never heard of it. You said the key. They, they created an experience. That's what I was going to add. Those, you mentioned Bass Pro. That's what they've done. Those are market-dominant stores, but they've gone one step farther. Right. Bed Bath & Beyond was not, a, was not an experience. You went in, and you got your thing, and you got out. But these other ones are creating destination shopping. And that's, yes. And that's what they've done. So it's pretty. It's pretty incredible. It's very interesting to watch. Um, it, it, but it, it's it's kind of. On one hand, I want to say it's disturbing, but then it really isn't in in the fact that well, you're still going to get your stuff. You know what I mean? You'll still be able to shop. Oh, we're Americans. We're going to get our stuff. <laughs> there's still a, there's still a place for retail. I just think that um, as as retail evolves, we have to figure out how Americans want to shop. Um, and, and is it sustainable? I mean, one thing we're seeing, um, even with the online models, is they require a lot of volume. And, mm-hmm. you know, and one thing we've learned, and we, just, we mentioned several companies, you know, Toys R Us, Best Buy, except our, our Circuit City, um, any model can miss miss something. That's the best. That's the Bed Bath & Beyond story. If, if management misses the next trend, you can be gone. Kodak. I mean, think, look at look at pictures. You know how quickly they disappear. The technology changes, and it has unintended consequences. I saw. I, it must have been a comedian. I saw somebody that said, uh, "We're taking so many pictures now. And it's old people because we can't believe they're free. <laughs> they're, we get pictures free now." Well, except you're paying for that Apple storage or whatever. You know, you're you're storing them somewhere. Yeah, used to have to be selective. You don't want to waste film. <laughs> I kind of like growing up in the era where there, everything I did wasn't recorded on pictures. No kidding, or video. I'm very happy to be a child of the a- '80s, and none of my none of my history is recorded for a time of turn. Scott Hughes in for Aaron, Mike, and McCarty. What a one. Seven FM, seven ten. Keo, Mike, and McCarty. Erin uh, going to be out several days, uh, having her shoulder surgery. I don't know exactly what time. I will find out. Uh, I remember. I remember years ago. We're talking about shopping habits and, and trends in in what's happened in Treeport uh, stores closing. Um, I remember somebody saying, and I don't. Rem- I can't credit. But if you want to kill downtown, two things. Uh, build a loop around the town and a Walmart, the, the super center, mm-hmm. and you'll effectively kill your downtown. But you can say the thing about the same thing about local retail. 
And and downtowns, that's probably, if you look around the country, that's probably what actually killed the suburbs, killed downtown. People moved down. Mm -hmm. People used to go downtown. All the shopping was there. Um, And then you start getting the loops and a second loop and the third loop in (laughs) Dallas. Um, and, and, And it's just patterns. And, 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 and I think if you study, if you study American cities, if you study the history of growth, you go 100, 150 years up until World War II, pretty much, where they were very concise. They, they grew up around, there was density. Density studies are very interesting on return on investment. And then coming out of World War II, we have this, we have the GI Bill, we have the soldiers coming home, we have this building boom. Well, and people weren't as mobile then. And, and the car. That's it. And so now people move out to the suburbs, have it all, have your land, have your space, new schools. And so locally, I mean, it seems like an eons ago, but locally you get, you get AC steer and you get, you get people building out in these new subdivisions and you get Uri drive builds out and, and people leave downtown and, and really the history of, well, let's look at Shreveport and you're starting to see it in Bossier a little now too, is people just keep moving. We'll go back to what we started with the cattle commission redistricting. The reason we redistrict is people move. Mm-hmm. And even in cattle parish where we've had really stagnant or net loss of population we still have to draw whole new lines because all these subdivisions and 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 people move and and, and you said yourself you grew up in old Bozier. Mm-hmm. you know nobody really even lives in old Bozier where you grew up these days those areas are emptying out people live out on benton road and south mm-hmm. Bozier and haunton mm-hmm. and and so the population shifts and that creates change and the shopping, I think, has followed that. And now the online is actually, if you're a retailer, if you go the other way, if you're a retailer, I can look at not having to keep building all those brick-and-mortar stores. My customers will just call me up, and I'll ship mm-hmm. it to them. And and that's really where we become as an economy. Now, have you heard, you may have more in, inside information about uh, the uh, the Amazon distribution center locally i hear it's still on that's what we've Um, heard you know they've obviously invested a lot of money in that facility it's quite impressive um i just think they're having a delay for several reasons um but um you know covid set a lot of folks back and and, and a lot of company timelines and and i know we look at it we say oh but covid really upped the online shopping sure it did but it also made it harder to get things that you need to finish factories it made it harder to get employees and you and i were talking we can debate whether biden's facts were in context or not etc but one of the things that that he referenced in the state of the union which and dr sato references too is unemployment is at a record low and we can argue why but what that really means is that it's hard to find employees. We'll go that route. It's hard to find people to do work. And even good companies like Amazon, um, they're going to have a hard time finding three shifts. That facility, when open, will run 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Three shifts. And and we talked about that also. Um, w- they had to have done research to go, okay, we'll be able to staff this. They had to have looked at the area. Well, and, and we have we have workers. Absolutely, we, 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 we have it. people to do it, but whether they'll be willing to do it, and it just you, you got to get up and running. You got to get it all set up. And I think one of the things I think, and so we'll, we we talked about Bed Bath and Beyond. I think Amazon is a very smart company. I think they are trying to not make that mistake, not overbuild. There was a time we'll go back to Bed Bath and Beyond. There was a time they had one store. Mm-hmm. There was a time they had twenty, a hundred, five hundred. And they wake up today and they have 1,200. They went too far. Someone's got to stop dollar stores from popping up. And sooner or later, <laughs> they'll figure it out. But I mean, but as a corporation, at some point, you've, like got to, you've got to slow down and say, we've got to make sure we're not headed over the cliff. 
And so I think Amazon had made a lot of commitments, and they said, well, we need to slow down just a bit and rethink our, 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 our footprint. But the one in Shreveport, from what I understand, is still very much in play. Okay. 101.7 FM, 7. One zero one seven FM seven ten Kiel. We just have for like, like a minute this short segment. Thank God we were <laughs> my impersonation, <laughs> impersonation of you. I've never said that. Why? My gosh! Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About what? What was that reference? I don't know. I just love your catchphrase. Oh. <laughs> I got I threw you off his game, Ruben. He <laughs> did. And I'm about to leave. This is my job. Throw you off the game and walk out the door. Uh, Eric, wait, a little bumper, Eric Clapton. Uh, we were talking off mic about the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. And how that grew out of a... Famous a, Saturday Night Live skit. A Saturday Night Live skit in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It was a, a skit uh, that Dan Aykroyd came up with. They'd come out and the briefcase, and they'd get the oh. harmonica, and then they'd go into some really hard driving blues number. Great, res- great respect for the musicians. They they were lovers. But, but of that, the art. that became House of Blues. It, it ultimately, Aykroyd forms House of Blues. The foundation did not know that. Old um, old uh, music. Just he he loves he loves the music. Talk about respect for musicians, real quick. I have to I have to say, it, uh, you know the movie Scrooged, Bill Murray. Speaking of yes. Saturday Night Live, yeah, another, okay, another, another cast member, the Bill Murray Scrooged film. There's a short scene where they're walking down the streets of New York. And there's a little street band, okay? And now you probably recognize Paul Schaefer. But the oh, other members of that street band... David Letterman's band leader for years. Yeah, Paul Schaefer. The trumpet was Miles Davis. Wow. Larry Carlton on the trump, on the, uh, uh, on the, on the guitar, and David Sanborn. Oh, my. Was on sax. And that's something <laughs> nobody would notice unless you're, you know... Really paying attention. Yeah, but here's this street band at night in New York, and it's Larry Carlton, Miles Davis, and and uh, David Sanborn. I didn't realize those guys' careers fell so far; they were played for tips on the streets of New York. <laughs> Scotty, use it for Aaron McCarty, one hundred one seven. By the way, Kadio. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, Doctor Jeff Sato joining us. Uh, Doctor Sato, first of all, what was your overall impression of the State of the Union address? I'm, I'm assuming you watched the entire thing. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of spin. Um, the, uh, certainly, some challenges that the Biden administration is facing, and. Uh, the union is always a chance for the president to put his best face on, on what's going on. So, uh, so he did. He tried. Did you hear any surprises? Um, no, uh, uh, not really. I mean, it was uh, uh, you know they've kind of been telegraphed for several days now that, that some of the subjects he was going to go over, um, trying to take credit. So, uh, for example, uh, jobs and uh, inflation reduction and, and and things like that. So uh, not not a, not a real surprise, both in terms of, of what was there and, and what wasn't there. Hit, quote, two years ago, our economy was reeling. True or false? Oh, good Lord. Uh, that was, uh, you know, it, 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 if you want to look at it where the economy was in 2019, uh, it certainly was worse off. 
uh, if you want to look at how it was doing month over month in time, uh, false. It was doing better, and it was it was doing better uh, really without you know we had uh, of course the pandemic related uh, legislation, uh, essentially uh, additional appropriations, uh, but that had essentially ceased at the time he took office. Uh, and uh, all indications were that there was going to be substantial, continued to be substantial economic growth. Um, you know, whether the government went out and, and did anything, additional um, stimulus spending, uh, and of course, as we know, that's exactly what happened. There was lots of more stimulus uh, spending despite the fact at the time that the economy was, was really rolling back. As I stand here tonight, Mr. Biden says, we have created a record 12 million new jobs more jobs created in two years than any president has ever created in four years. Ding, ding, ding. That can't be true. Uh, it, I, uh, I, 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 in terms of a, of a two-year span, I, I, I think that's true. But you have to recognize that until, I think, a month or two ago, that the number of jobs out there uh, at that point only equaled what the number of jobs had been about two and a half years ago, or, or almost three years ago, when, again, the pandemic-related measures came into being. So we'll hardly have any more jobs now at this point than we did just about three years ago. So, again, you have to look at that in perspective when there was this artificial retrenchment in the, in the job market. And again, it was purely caused by government policy and decisions made at a federal and state level. Uh, you know, it, it, and, and then you have this uh, comeback. Uh, you know, that's a consequence of those prior policy decisions and not really so much anything that was done by the Biden administration. When you say artificial entrenchment, uh, explain what you mean by that. Yeah, uh, uh, artificial retrenchment, it's a, uh, you know, that uh, again, that, that's a, a consequence of deliberate decisions made by governments. You know, that's what cost jobs uh, in the, the pandemic era. Uh, and uh, the decisions afterwards really didn't have that much to do with uh, any job creation since. In other words, the reversal of those previous decisions, if you want to look at it that way, you know, that's really mainly what happened. So it's not, again, not so much what's been done in the last two years, uh, but the impediments that were removed prior to that or just prior to that, which really is the, the lion's share of... Uh, of job creation since you opened uh, you opened up the segment by saying a lot of spin obviously you can make the numbers say whatever you want them to say unemployment is down well unemployment is down because people just stopped looking for jobs it's not that so well, many people sure sure that's correct i mean you you look at uh, you know again claims were about uh, well you know the lowest unemployment uh, ever at all and you know but the fact of the matter is when you look at the labor force and uh, the participation rate in labor force is about two, two and a half points below the historical norm. So in other words, as you just uh, mentioned, there's a, a whole new segment of the uh, uh, able-bodied adult population that's out there that's choosing not to work for various reasons, and it's a, a much more significant and substantial proportion than we've seen historically. He also talked a lot about the infrastructure bill, funding over 20,000 projects and we're going to get, you know, we're going to be number one in the world again in infrastructure. Um, do you do you buy that, or is this a lot of of spending that we just can't afford? 
Well, I, I mean, certainly there are things that are, are are going to apparently going to happen as as a result of this. Uh, you know, one uh, thing I saw recently was that supposedly a hundred thousand quote green jobs are going to be created by this kind of spending. Uh, but you know, we have to recognize that the lion's share of the deficit spending, which uh, which has occurred, and, and again, uh, Biden uh, added. Uh, has added almost as much in his two years in office of deficit spending as Trump did in his four years, and and we're including with Trump the pandemic stuff. Uh, you know, only a, a relatively small portion of that has actually been towards genuine infrastructure spending. Most of it has been on a number of other things that aren't, and uh, so you know that's stuff that that really probably we didn't need. And you could argue as far as the infrastructure quote infrastructure stuff. Uh, there's a portion in there that we really didn't need either. There was a line in his speech about this infrastructure that's scary to me. And he said, tonight I'm also announcing new standards to require all construction materials used in federal infrastructure projects to be made in America. That, I mean, mm-hmm. great, great idea. Nice idea. But that could drive up the prices of, of a lot of these infrastructure projects. Could it not? Yeah, certainly, and and part of that is there's a, a federal law out there that says that uh, when these projects are happening, you have to pay the quote prevailing wage, uh, which is basically set by unions. Uh, and it could be set in, in, even in a non-union state by like Louisiana or, or largely non-union, I should say. Um, you know that that rate essentially would be set by those uh, few entities that are unionized and then not even you know not even being in the state. Uh, so that would uh, since that rate typically is higher and much higher, yes, that would tend to drive up the uh, uh, the, the, the eventual price tag. Okay, let me ask you about the the, the Chinese balloon and and the remarks he made about that. And you're laughing. Uh, <laughs> let me yeah. let me. I hadn't had a chance to ask you this. If we floated a, a spy balloon over China, how long would it last in the air? <laughs> Not at all. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you. Just barely, barely mentioned anything about that for obvious reasons. I mean, people are scratching their heads about, you know, letting this balloon float five plus days almost across the entire country. And, well, he never know, mentioned went over the balloon specifically. He mentioned yeah, no, if, mm-hmm. if you violate United States airspace, we will take action. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you took action after it finished its job. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I mean, Montana is a, a wide open state. I mean, you know, there's. there's I don't think there was really much risk at all of hitting anybody, you know, except maybe a bit livestock uh, if you shot the thing down over Montana. But, you know, it didn't happen. So. Oh, boy. Okay. Are are we stronger today than we were two years ago? Is America stronger today? Does the world think we're a great powerhouse no. today than um, we were? Sorry, Dr. Well, Shadow. Economically, we're better off. Um, but uh, in terms of foreign policy, uh, I, I would say no. I mean, there's, uh, you know, and the, the balloon incident, I think, is, is one perfect example. And, you know, once again, it, it, it you know, it's embarrassing for him on more than one level because uh, the, the allegations surrounding uh, his son and uh, his role in any dealings, uh, he, Biden, uh, dealings with the Chinese through his son, 
know, that's something that's a matter of investigation right now. And, and you know, that that incident would just been an uncomfortable reminder talking any more about it than it did. So that's, that's why it didn't. Well, okay, I, I need you to clarify. You say economically we're better off today than we well, were I mean, before? Again, I, again, I need you to clarify that for me. Sure. Again, we got a lot more jobs, and and uh, the the um, uh, you know finally uh, there's growth after a period of, of, of negative growth. So uh, in that sense, we are. But again, we're talking about coming off of pandemic lows, essentially. So you could say, yeah, we're better off than we were three years ago when we had 30 percent unemployment and all that. But you know, and, and that's the, the the tricks he tried to use to put the his best face on last night. But again, if you look at uh, where, where, you know, what kind of a natural uh, economic uh, recovery would have been without uh, this incredible amount of deficit spending that has occurred that drove up inflation and the like, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, again, that's something that would have happened naturally and organically without, uh, you know, call it interference uh, by the government. Uh, but there was this interference, and we we have seen, you know, again, more jobs and and finally a, an economy that that's uh, turning around. But of course, the the big problem in, in there is inflation, and and again, Biden, you know, could claim, oh yeah, I brought inflation down, uh, but uh, you know, he's the one. His policies essentially were those that caused it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, and and obviously, it's four times what it was uh, when he entered office. So that that's definitely a negative. One more, I smell a whopper uh, in our last 38 and a half seconds. My plan will lower the deficit by $2 trillion. Whopper? Then why are you trying to raise the debt ceiling? <laughs> well, you know, the, you know that, of course, depends upon uh, a new set of taxes and I think some fairly generous uh, economic assumptions. So, uh, you know, the deficit inevitably is going to come down uh, in the sense that he doesn't have a compliant Congress anymore with one half in the hands of the opposition. So, uh, you know, there's going to have to be negotiation there, and that's going to bring it down organically. So, you know, again, uh, some of that's not his doing, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it was going to come down in a sense naturally anyway. So, yeah, I don't know there's going to be that much. It's going to come down some, but uh, that, uh, that's making some assumptions about you know, his policies being passed and supposedly working right, and that's probably not going to happen together 1017 fm 710 keel mike and mccarty want to thank scott hughes for filling in for air and scott will be back tomorrow oh my gosh tomorrow's friday he's just texted me too said 